But you know what this movie also made me long for? Gelato? Peach season. Gross. You can't use that as the intro. <laughs> yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No. We have an explicit tag on iTunes. We're fine. Because we say fuck a lot. Why can't I use that as the intro? Because he fucks the peach. I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Debacle. Home Debacle? Yeah. Well, why is it a debacle? We fight it out. We fight it out? That's that's not what it's a debacle... It's an argument. It, how is... fight is an argument. But that's not a debacle, though. A debacle mm. is when something goes wrong. A fight can go wrong. A fight can go wrong. This is home viewing! <laughs> <laughs> It's a podcast where we watch all the movies on our shelf in alphabetical order. We're on the seas right now. Last week. Well, last month. Because it's been a month since the last episode came oh, out. Oh, boy. Because finals and stuff. And what? everyone got busy. Everyone got busy is what happened. True. My job is in peril. It's hanging in the balance. Enough about me. Um, This week, we watched... Do you not remember the name of the movie we watched? This is this was one of your favorite movies of last year. I think you mean the best movie of 2017. No, it's not. Call Me By Your Long Jewish Legs. Oh my god. Okay, <laughs> it's called Call Me By Your Name. This movie is called Call Me By Your Name. And yes, I understand that some people had issues with Call Me By Your Name. Like every movie. Yeah, like every movie. And you know, maybe it wasn't a great choice to yeah. have... A 17-year-old character in a relationship with a 24-year-old character. Like, for, for, for ethical reasons. So, like, if this movie makes you uncomfortable, maybe don't listen to this episode. Hey, does that mean people are listening to our episodes? <laughs> it might mean people are listening to this episode. At me if you don't like this movie. <laughs> uh, we love this movie. Like, I understand the issues with it. But I love this movie. Um... I don't love it as much as Bethany loves it. How many times do you think you've seen this? Because it's like definitely more five? than me. Yeah, I've seen this movie twice. Three times, maybe. I don't think five is an extraordinary number. That's a lot for a movie that came out last year that's not a Star Wars film. Yeah, I like, usually I've like seen Star Wars movies not... like five times by the time they're on Blu-ray, to be fair. Oh, gosh. But no, you don't rewatch movies that often. I don't have time. I know, but this involved in science. <laughs> but this is a movie that you that you have rewatched, like without me. Yeah, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I think I feel this movie more than anything else. What do you mean you feel it? Like, it... oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know. No, no, explain. Like, is it like the longing of it all, or yeah, the, I don't know. It's... The, the, the feel like you're like the lack of understanding that you see in the beginning of the movie, or something like that, or you mean even at the end, like. There's still, oh. like, there's a lot of tension. There is a lot of tension in this movie. And like, this, mov- this movie is, like, all tension. Yeah. It's like, it's, like, calculated moves back and forth. So what worked for you? <laughs> well, I mean, you were talking about that tension, and that tension is established, like, from the beginning. Not to be all fanfic about it, but it is kind of like a rivals or enemies or, like, dislikes to lovers kind of thing. Like, because the opening scene... Oh, can we talk about the opening credits? Uh. 
Beautiful. God, the blackboards with all the pictures of the ancient Roman statues and. Yeah, this ugh. is like this is like the film that they talk about, like when they're like, "This is an art film, <laughs> literal art." <laughs> because it is everywhere. about art. Oh, and like the cast is so stacked. I mean, there are three three major names in the cast, but still, uh, Timothy Chalamet last year really was like his coming out year. Mm-hmm. Because he was in Lady Bird, but then he, like, carried this movie. And then Army, of course, Army Hammer, who is a divisive figure, I've found, but is generally great. Like, uh, you should look at pictures of him in his Adidas tracksuits when he was um, doing press for the movie. Like, when they were in Crema, where the movie was filmed. Ugh. And then another actor who had a big year, Michael Stolbar. Who was excellent, and uh, who was? I think he was. He was nominated for best supporting for this. I think they campaigned Army as well, but they ended up nominating Stolbarg. They kind of split a little bit, and I think that's that. Army was actually a little bit sad about that. He, he's he's a lot of sad. <laughs> Army is a he's a he's an interesting figure. Whether he's in Gossip Girl or The Social Network or my personal favorite. Uh, Army Hammer performance, the man from Uncle. Oh. Yeah, I think that's the first time I recognized like who he was. Really? Yeah. You you never thought of him as like the Winklevosses? No, I didn't know who he was at that point. I was like, oh, it's a dumb movie. <laughs> well, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> no, at the time I probably liked it. But... No, you did like it. I remember you. Yeah. Would... I, oh, I... how things have changed. <laughs> that's a really good movie, and it's. On our list. It's all the way in the S's, but it's there. With the other best movie of 2017. (laughs) Shape of Water. Oh. There. It's going to take us years to get to that. This was. 2017, as we've said many times, was a great year for movies. Like, that, that's the year that we, uh, that movie pass was functional, Aww. and we used it to see all of the best picture movies, and that's a so lot of sad. the other Oscar movies, too. This is one that we saw with our friend Mary for her birthday, I think. That's, that's when we first saw oh. it. Yeah. That was like, I want to go see this. And I didn't really know what I was going into, I just knew that it, it was gay, and there was French and Italian in it, and that Army Hammer was in it, and that he fucks a peach. You have no response to that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of the defining scene. Army Hammer doesn't do things to a peach. Yeah, Timothée Chalamet does, though. Why are you focusing You know, in the book, his character eats the uh, Army uh, yes, Hammer's I, character eats the yes, peach Yes, I've heard. Afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, should have kept that in the movie. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. He almost did, but then Timothée Chalamet starts crying, so. <laughs> I see Because you. he thinks there's something there's something wrong with him. Because he's horny. But it's like, no. That's right. That's a sin. Being horny is a sin. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch a different movie than I did? Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, God, the scenery and the landscapes... Mm. so good I love any movie where they're in a foreign country and they're actually speaking the language yeah. of that foreign country their, their trilingual family is so beautiful well actually his mom's like quintuple lingual no trilingual no she speaks like German and like something oh, else oh yeah I think. 
German, French, Italian, because I think she's like half Italian, half French, and also she's got Jewish. Like an English accent. No, she's got a French accent throughout. Mm. With a little tinged with Italian. You see, she's got a multiple accent because it's implied that at one point when they have the Italian couple over that's yelling about politics, it's implied that she inherited that place. So it feels to me like she's... It is? Yeah. What? what yeah, it? no. She says, ever since you inherited this place, you've just... Oh. Yeah, no. So like, I missed that. Their family seems to have some history, but they're also... I don't know. You were talking about the tension and like hiding things. There was... um. Did I say hiding things? <laughs> well, no, you're talking about tension. And there's a lot of tension between projected identity and personal identity. And I think that's kind of why Oliver's character kind of speaks to Elio in a way. Because the first scene we really see Elio and Oliver interacting is when they ride into town. Um, but before that, we have like a, a, camera, a camera shot that's like a shot reverse shot of... Elio looking at the Star of David pendant on Oliver. And that and that and then um that leads him to the conversation with him later on. It's like he was like, Yeah, my mother says we're Jews of discretion. So like it seems like there's tension there that his family isn't necessarily comfortable being openly Jewish out here and it seems like there was a plot point they kind of dropped. Like No, I don't they think didn't so. flush it out at no, all. No, but you see, I feel like that's the first place they found common ground that's like the basis of their uh, of some of their relationship and like at the end when he gets that call it's on hanukkah and like that's something that the, oh the fi- it's hanukkah yeah that's something that you... the menorah yeah but i thought it's not like how we do christmas they don't just leave it up like no uh, i don't know anything about jewish people you have several <laughs> jewish friends i don't have yeah, exactly. You need to you need to get more up on Jewish traditions and Jewish culture. Jewish friends, please educate me. <laughs> I hope you're cutting off. This. But well, well, no. But it's interesting because they're in Italy, and you still see the lingering marks of fascism in Italy too. Yeah, I don't know much about fascism either. Well, it's just well, if there's one thing that is antithetical to Judaism. It's fascism, I would think. Ooh. Um, well, because there's the scene when they're uh, taking that long bike ride and they stop at that little farm uh, to ask for water and they've got a picture of Mussolini up still. What? I missed all of this. Was well, he was like, I'm remember so distracted Army, by the beautiful boys. Because Army Hammer points it and he's like, look, Il Duce, Popular Italia. And he's like doing the Mussolini impression. Oh, see that character is just so awful. Also, I thought I just you also weird. didn't know that Il Duce was a mm. nickname. Yeah, mm. that's. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about fascism. <laughs> Judaism and fascism. You see, here's the thing. <laughs> that's why I think this movie is so interesting because it contains a lot of layers. <laughs> like it has different things that speak to different people in it. Like, because even if it is ostensibly about these two characters interacting, you can't ignore the context that's all around them, like you know? life. <laughs> uh, but it's... It, it feels like a snapshot of life in Northern Italy in the yeah. 80s. Like, that's yeah. that's what it feels like. It's not... This, the, the setting isn't just there to serve the plot, you know? The setting is there to make the movie feel full, make it feel lived in. Yeah, it does, it, it does kind of move, like, almost like a play. Like if, oh, like, what I was thinking is, like, I wonder if there's some kind of name for, like, the device of, like, 
that sitting at a table and like having dialogue over like food because that you know how that happens a lot yeah. in this movie yeah, I felt absolutely. like that was a very like it was a good way to bring everyone together and kind of tie in their like days the, and like the multiple stories yeah because like otherwise otherwise his parents don't really have a function other than like well I mean the archaeologist and she's like God an Italian heiress or whatever. God, can we talk about the scene where he tests him with the etymology of the word? Man, that one got me the first time I watched it. I was like... <laughs> oh, it was... And then every time you watch it after that, you're like, oh, what a brat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it. I love it so much. I love Michael Stolbarg in this movie. <laughs> I was like, this is why I can't go into academia. Ugh. <laughs> oh, it's so pretty, too. Yeah. Like... The colors in the movie and, like, the, the difference between, like, the way night and day is shot. Like, can we talk about the the dance scene? Oh, man. I oh. love when they go, like, the little discotheque. Well, not really discotheque. But it's like an outdoor outside. discotheque. Yeah, it's like the hippest discotheque in town. Uh-huh. What's what's the song? The Psychedelic Furs, uh, Love My Way. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I've listened to that more than I've watched this movie, probably. <laughs> It's a and, it's a mood. And Army Hammer is just dancing uh, like Army Hammer dancing. <laughs> he's. I don't know if it's good or not, but it's really cute. I think that's part of the thing. He's very exaggerated in everything he yeah. does in this movie. Like, yeah. And he really commits to that filling the space there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why Elio like has such a problem with him at the beginning because he is literally taking his space in the form of his bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he sees him as a. Little bit, um, what we would call in Spanish, maleducado, impolite, you know, very it's kind of disrespectful. Later, yeah, he's kind of like a dude, bro. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he's kind he's of a like dude, a, bro. He's like an, a good frat boy that you like shipped over to <laughs> that knows a lot about Italian statues, or something. and then you know, hangs out with the old Italian men at the bar at the local <laughs> bar. <laughs> I need to set up a bank account. <laughs> Do you know any words? It's good. Like oh. goes, we've never had anyone swim a bank account. <laughs> it's long and it feels long, but not in a bad way. Like it's supposed to be a picture of this whole summer. But yeah, because it, it feels it like moves, you're there with them. It moves at the pace of these of lazy summer. summer t- you know, of these <laughs> lazy, you you get these like long lingering takes, mm-hmm. and that, I think I think that's a lot too. There aren't a lot of jump cuts in this movie. Like there's a lot of very long camera work, very a lot of stuff happening just in the same frame, and it's it kind of reflects a lazy summer day in a way because Elio isn't really doing what what he says. He's like, I just hang out, read, hang out with friends, and then transcribe music. That seems to be like what his job is. That oh yeah, speaking of, he's a seventeen year old musical prodigy essentially. <laughs> oh man, so the music in this movie is so good, mm-hmm. but that made me think of when he starts um. When he Doing plays the song. The Bach, like, when he plays the Bach piece on the guitar. This is how List would do or, Is it a List? Yeah, at first it's like, this is how List would have done it. And then this is how, and I don't know the name of the other one, would have done it, would have done List's version. And and uh, Oliver's like, no, I want to hear it the way you played it before. Well, that's not how it would have been played because Bach never wrote it for the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> he's just that, such a that, like, pedantry. little and twerp. He is a little twerp, though, because, like, when his dad asks him to play something on the piano, and he's like, 
Uh, he's just like laying there. Relatable though. Oh my god, no. Gosh. No one knows how to like just lay down and look tired and dumb with what? all this shit. Like Timothée Chalamet knows how to lay down. Down, look tired, and be done with all this shit. Well, did your parents ever, like, make you play for people? It's the worst. I, yeah. I mean, is it the worst? Well, you probably didn't you know encounter as I'm, much as I did. Not as much as you did, no, because I didn't have an... Well, A, I was never that good at piano. B, violin is much easier to just pull out and be forced to play. Something. Yeah, we brought that around town. Played for half the people at the old folks' home. They loved me. They would have kept me in residency for months if they could. <laughs> I also, like, wasn't good enough. Like, by the time that I was, like, really competent to play solo, I wasn't living with my parents anymore. So, um, like, I didn't really get into Gosh. my musical groove until late. Yeah, but it just seemed, like, really, like, super, like... I don't know, I've, 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 I've really related a, to his character. I've always been more of an ensemble player than a soloist, so... <laughs> So you relate you related a lot to Elio. I mean, just in general, yeah. I mean, what specifically? Carl, the time now. I don't know. I could. Oh man, and that's not to not to jump to the end, but he should have won an Oscar just for that last scene where he cries. We all know that wearing a fat suit and doing an English accent and mumbling is way oh, more deserving God, of an Oscar no. than you know. You have to Making earn your spot at the Academy. <sighs> God. Like, there were two really good, like, single-shot performances that could have won Oscars last year. It was this one, and it was Daniel Kaluuya and Get Out. Yeah. Like, God. And you know what? Neither one of them does. Throws phone as, phones at their even, wives. Like, even ugh. the villain guy in Shape of Water would have been much more deserved than... Well, I mean, he didn't even get nominated for Best Supporting, I don't I think. know, he was so good. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Well, I think Michael Stolbard could have gotten nominated for Best Supporting in yeah. uh, Shape of Water as well. Like, there were so Wasted. many good performances last year. And they awarded took Sam Rockwell. It took me a lot to not go off on the old like, people when we were leaving the theater for that one. God. They, they awarded Sam Rockwell. They awarded Gary Oldman. Allison Janney. Oh, and Francis McDormand. Well, but here's the thing. I think Allison Janney and Francis McDormand gave great performances. I don't think they were the best female performances of last year. I mean, what's 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 the joke that Allison Janney made in her speech? She's like, I'd like to thank the best little scene partner and joking about the bird, you know, that mm-hmm. was on her shoulder throughout mm-hmm. all, all of Itania. Francis McDormand earned it for the deer scene. But let's get back to Call Me By Your Peaches. Oh, man. Can we talk about Sufjan Stevens? Yeah, what's talk. Album? I want to talk to you about Sufjan Stevens, babe. Okay. Ooh. Speaking of Oscars, this Oscar performance when he did Visions of Love was one of the highlights of my year, I think. Yeah, probably. Like, of all of 2018. Mm-hmm. Because he had... He had, had all his best friends with Well, him. yeah, he had St. Vincent, who used to tour with him. And he had Chris Thiele. And they had... I mean, Chris Thiele released his album much later, obviously. But St. Vincent, I think this was... All legends. Yeah. And, like, honestly, listening to the track again, I can't find the personnel listing for the track anywhere. I really wish I could. But I'm pretty sure that is Chris Dealey on the original track doing the mandolin work. If it's not not Sufjan himself. Which I wouldn't be surprised if Sufjan had, like, put it in himself. But the mandolin style on Visions of Love is really good. You know, he actually wrote... He was only uh, commissioned to write one song... And he came back with two of them for this. Yeah, see, that's how he had all those Christmas songs. He was only supposed to write one Christmas song. <laughs> and then he wrote 15. 
Babe, he wrote way more than 15. <laughs> and he covered way more than that, too. Sufjan Stevens has, like, six Christmas albums, I think. I mean, oh they're all, gosh. like, released under, like, the same banner. And I would listen to them all December because they're very good. I mean, whether it's, like, the stripped-down stuff. Like, I really love, like, just him and a mic and a banjo. Well, two mics because he always doubles his vocals. But... Is that... You don't just make it louder? You put two mics there? No, no, no. Well, what he does is he, like, when he records... He records two vocal tracks. Like, he records a vocal track once and then goes back and records it a second time, which creates that chorus. Oh, so effect. he sings while he's playing, and then he sings again. What? I mean, bass, or or he'll just record it all separately. Like, he does a lot of multi-tracking, because he, he's known for, like, very, very lush arrangements. Yeah. yeah. Um, lush. But, yeah, so he had three songs in this movie, two of which were written for the movie. One of them, Feudal Devices, which is on, I think, the first Sufjan Stevens album that I ever really um, interacted with, with uh, Age of Odds, which I really like. That was on pretty heavy rotation at WREK when I was, uh, which is the Georgia Tech College radio station, when I was uh, DJing there. And um, we all, and then he, of course, had Mystery of Love and Visions of Gideon. Uh, Mystery of Love is what plays when they're hiking after Oliver's visit is done and he's just hanging out with Elio before he heads back to the U.S. And then Visions of Gideon is what plays in that jaw-dropping final scene. Yeah, I like I like physically feel sad when I hear that song. Like, when you hear Visions of yeah. Gideon? Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could... I wish, like, we could just put the scene right in the middle of, of this because it's <laughs> largely silent and it's just one long take while the mm-hmm. credits roll. And... It's Elio seated in front of the fire. He's just found out that Oliver is engaged and they haven't seen each other since summer, obviously. He's just found out on the phone from Oliver that he's engaged and he's sitting in front of the fire and just kind of taking in this news while Visions of Gideon plays and the credits roll, the credits show up next to him. And it's just one long take. It's so beautifully shot like you can like see the fire reflected in his face and his eyes and he's just progressively getting sadder as it goes like you can see it in his face and i mean i was told and i don't know if this is how verifiable this is but i was told that he had a monitor in his ear so that he could hear uh visions of gideon as it was going so he could like really like live in that in the moment in the song and like feel that impact that's cool. Yeah. You, you could look it up on the magic internet machine. I mean, I just don't know how I would figure something like this out. Hold How'd on. you hear it? Someone told me that. Visions of Gideon, final scene, ear monitor. Chalamet. Chalamet. Do you want to? I can't, I can't find verification on this. So, like, it might be false, but... The way that it times out with the song works really well. And, like, as compared to something on, like, the middle of Age of Odds or something, this is one of... These are, like, some of Sufjan's quieter songs overall, I think. Which a lot of people would say that's what he's most known for. It's very raw and open and real. And it's (sighs) beautiful. Just beautiful music. This movie as a whole is pretty fucking beautiful. It's also, like, not gonna lie, pretty sexy at some points, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> it it kind of gets 
in a way, it, it, it does a good job of depicting that kind of sexual awakening that you get as a teenager, you know? Or that you might get, depending on how things work out. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think it also does a good job of making all of the characters feel very real. Even the characters who you end up not necessarily focusing on or caring about. Like Marcy? Is that her name? Marcia? Marcia? I mean, that's not who I was thinking of. I was thinking of... The, the man and woman who work for them at the estate, the caretakers. Oh! Uh, yeah! You know, I did think about her more this time, though. Uh-huh. Yeah, she, you know, when she comes in and, like, brings his laundry in, and she seems like, like, almost part of the family, because they, yeah. you know, they go there every winter and, and summer. And every summer. It's like, it's it's like she seems like a surrogate mother for him in mm-hmm. a way. Um, yeah, well, like a girl I mean, like, when he's like, or something. When he's, like, getting ready to go out for the night, and she yells in Italian, it's like, no good will come of this! <laughs> It's like, he's being a horny teenager again. Come on. I also, swimming in those old fountains. Oh my gosh, uh, yeah. Also that fresh squeezed apricot juice that all looked so... Oh my god, I can like, I feel like I can taste it every time I see it. Like, I'm like, apricot nectar, so good. So pretty, so tasty. Is there anything that didn't work for you in this movie? Mm. You gotta think about that one. This is... Yeah, I feel like I need to start coming up with this kind of stuff because everything can't just be good. I mean, at the opening of the movie, the pacing felt a little off to me. But you could just interpret that as like him stumbling into this like thing that he's realizing. Absolutely, but like this is something that on every rewatch I was like, man, this movie does really start kind of slow, and by the end of the movie, I don't care as much anymore yeah. because it makes sense. They use a they manipulate the film in a couple of places too, right? Like, we do see, like, it goes into negative, right? Yeah, there's that one and trippy like, part. Mm-hmm, and like, oh, at the end. Yeah, when they go into photo negative and yeah. it oversaturates a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many devices. Kind of like just as a way to emphasize what we're seeing. I don't know. It's, oh, I think someone was just like, I want this to be in the movie, so we're going to do it right here. And it doesn't necessarily need to be It here. does sound like some Italian bullshit to yeah. do, right? <laughs> No offense to Italians. <laughs> I mean, even like just the little scenes of throwaway dialogue that you like every dinner that they eat together, there is something significant that is happening yes, that like, I, informs uh, this the character. The dinners are so good. Uh, whether it's like his, um, whether it's like the Italians that are there like yelling about politics or you've got when he oh, has the nosebleed. I yeah. figured out what I don't like. What don't you like? Okay. So that end scene where his dad's talking to him and he's like, you know, I had a love like yours once. But it's not your mom. I didn't like that. You didn't like no. that? No. I was like, it's it's okay for that to be a thing. It's, but I mean, like, it's okay you to... probably shouldn't have told him. I mean, but they seem know. still like... You can still be like good for each other, even if you're not like the one great love, you know? Listen, I'm, look, I'm looking at this from a critical hat, not from a husband hat, okay? <laughs> but it just it just all plays with the realness of, like, how emotions are felt and, like, how people have to live their lives because, like... Because of how society dictates. Well, I mean... Not even that, just, like, how people feel things. But there is some of that, too. And that's, and that's why I think they dropped in the Jewish uh, fact at the beginning when it's like, you know, we're Jews of discretion and this idea that's, like, Times are different now. 
like is kind of what his dad's trying to say is like trying to be accepting of him in a way. It's like were people not accepting? No, we're not going to go that far back. But like, <laughs> I mean, that's that's the thing. It just seems every little thread that's like sewn in early on comes back to an end some way. Like whether it's Oliver going out with that one girl who like. Well, it, it makes me laugh because she comes to see him off of the bus and he's already on the bus and the bus is leaving. Yeah, that's And then really his parents funny. are like, hey, why don't you come get dinner with yeah. us later? Like, almost as a consolation prize. Um, and, like, Marzia being like, hey, I'm sorry you're sad. Can we still be friends? It's like... That part oh. was very cute. I liked that Yes. Chalamet is such a good sad boy. He's very good at being a sad boy. Like... I like a sad boy. <laughs> <laughs> You're liking a sad boy. You're liking a sad boy. Why? What is that? I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like whatever that is. You like it a sad boy, but you don't like it that? Do you not like it? No. <laughs> uh, I mean, the the one fun thing that I do remember from last year during award season was just making jokes about peaches around people who had no idea what was going on with the movie. <laughs> and it was, like, just a little inside inside way of, like, communicating with each other. Like, oh, like when we went out for dinner and we drew the peach on the um, on the tablecloth. Yeah, Mary drew, Mary the, drew peach, the peach and on she the drew it very well. She did draw it very well. <laughs> we cannot draw peaches as well as Mary. <laughs> oh, man. That was just really a year where every time you saw an Oscar movie, you're like, no, this is going to be the movie. (laughs) This is going to be what wins. Mm. Mm. We'll never have that again. No, this year looks... Can we we talk a little bit about this year's? I guess. It looks so boring. What is coming up that's supposed to be? Um, I mean, we saw... I mean, First Man is out, I guess. And it's competitive... Just by the, I don't. We don't. But need I mean, just by the fact movie. that it's Damien Chazelle, like, this is the problem. I might have cared if there hadn't been uh, like ten other space movies. Uh, according to like Entertainment Weekly, here's years. what's on the radar. I mean, new Alfonso Cuarón, like Roma, will probably be good. I've never even heard of this movie, I've and told you're you like, about I already canceled times. plans to see it with someone else. I've and told like, you what? about it a few times. Roma, it's the Alfonso Cuarón movie that's like. Taking a look at his childhood in Mexico City through the eyes of his nanny. Alfonso I Peru. feel like I did not hear about this until the, today. <laughs> but yeah, people are saying it's a good contender for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actress. Wait, why is it called Roma if it's in Mexico? Yeah, I think Roma is the name of the woman. The nanny? Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll find out. She looked like a tomato? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um... There's no but this is his first big feature since Gravity, so it'll be interesting to see. Because this is on a very different scale than Gravity. Because Where are the art films? So this, I would say that this is probably yeah, going to probably be, gonna be on you. considered an art film. Grounded by a deep, semi-autobiographical connection to the Mexican auteur's past. It's in black and white, so I'm excited for that. <gasps> you love a good black and white film. Well, I was just thinking I need to buy, what's it called? The Artist... Oh, well, it's too late for that one. Ugh. A Star is Born. Do you not like that movie? The more I think about it, the less I like it's, it's. It just Uggie. seems very sent- overly sentimental. No, Uggie Rest is great. Rest in peace, Uggie. 
Oh, apparently there's a movie with Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali called Green Book, which follows classical pianist Don Shirley and his New York City-born driver, Tony Lip, as they tour the American South. Mm, well, classical matter. pianist, black classical pianist touring the American South. And okay, from what I can that. tell is the 50s or 60s. So... Uh. Black Panther is up is, is a competitor, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. but it's not going to win anything. What? I just don't think it will. Um, let me see. Can you ever forgive me? Haven't heard of that. The favorite. I want to see that. What's that? The Yorgos Lanthimos movie, but it's uh, it's the one where it's like um, Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weisz, and Emma Stone. It's a period piece. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I want to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And first man. Oh wait, what about that one where Margot Robbie is like three kinds of Queen Elizabeth or something? Oh, oh no, you're thinking of uh, Mary Queen of Scots. That one. Yeah, yeah I haven't heard about Anglo that people. one yet. Um, let me see. Black Klansman is supposedly going to be competing for Best Picture a little bit. We need to see yeah, that I wish one. Yeah, we should see that. Um, I mean, it's just seems to just be out there. Like, I don't. I haven't really heard of anything that is a solid contender, you know, like there hasn't been, and maybe it's just because it's not the season yet, but I just haven't heard of like a big critical wave for anything other than like A Star is Born. Supposedly The Hate You Give might compete, but I doubt that. It's like, I mean, we've already seen the ones that are probably going to be in the best animated category, which is Incredibles 2 and Isle of Dogs. I mean, we'll see. It just doesn't seem as interesting this year, does it? No. Maybe it's just because we're not as... I mean, Beautiful Boy might compete, but it's like... The movies don't... Sorry, but I don't... Even though I love The Boy, I don't want to see that movie. It doesn't seem appealing. I just just feel like... I think they overdid The Boy on boy relationships, even, you know, non... That's not what the movie is about. Well, it's like a dad and a boy, right? Yeah, it's a dad and a boy. Yeah, I don't care about... Boys talking to their I mean, dads. Suspiria might compete in like production well, design and best supporting that. actress, but like it just feels like nothing has really taken it's a spot as a real contender this year. And maybe, you know, it was too early to it, we're thinking about this earlier than we did last year. But I feel like by November, we had, like, a feeling of, like, what we were going to see and what we were going to love. Because, like, we had been looking forward to Shape of Water for months. Yeah. And Call Me By Your Name. Was yeah. it a December? Well, see, all of those happened in, like, December. January. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what gets released in December. But, like, just in, on the list of things that are coming out in December. This Harry Potter 10 or whatever that we're seeing tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that not going to does- compete anywhere. It can't get any of the characters? Well, I mean, it could. It could get, like, best makeup or visual effects or something like that. But I doubt that it's going to get best visual effects because Black but Panther's going to... Did you see Ezra, though? Yeah, I saw Ezra's red carpet look. <laughs> I think he... I think Does he think he's Bjork now? I don't know. I mean... He, I feel like... He does the most. Sometimes I think about how he was, like, good friends with Griffin Newman. And how different their their life paths have gone. (laughs) But how they are both superheroes now. Because he's the Flash and he's... Oh, I forget that that's technically a superhero. Oh my god. Okay. Both of them. (laughs) Um, 
Well, okay. this has been Oscars chat. I mean, I guess we'll probably <laughs> update this when we know more about the Oscars. Yeah, that's special report next time. Probably a good. That's probably a good segment for us to have during the season. Probably not the next episode, but maybe not the see. next episode. But like periodically, like if we see a movie that we think, like speaking of which, we have, we have seen A Star Is Born. I have a complicated relationship with that movie that I don't want to get into right now. He loves it. I love it and I hate it. I was the only one who came out of theater like, yeah, I think, that was the thing. But you see, I went in expecting it to just blow my mind. Oh, see, that's the problem. Did not do you that. You have to be like me and never go in expecting to be <laughs> entertained. <laughs> oh, man, I hope I hope you're not disappointed by Fantastic Beasts then. <laughs> a conservationist story part two? <laughs> Although it didn't seem like it was very focused on the beasts this time. Exactly. I'm a little worried about it. That's the best part of the other one. <laughs> Alright, all right. do we want to rate this? So we're done. We covered all the, our bases. I think we did. Yeah. Wait, one more thing. At one point, did they ever have Fior de Latte? I don't... There, it's not explicitly stated whether oh. or not... I but thought it, it, I it remembered is, that. I, I think it... Or did I just we did We it? did... Because uh, that Phoenix album with Fior de Latte on it did come Fior out like right before it. And he described Fior de Latte as being like just about a... Italian, a windy Italian <laughs> club cheese, kid. I see the Italian theme. But he described it as being about, he described a lot of that album as being a, uh, Thomas Marr. Yeah. As being about a windy oh, Italian yeah. club kid. So you and Mary were like, oh, this is a perfect thing to go with this movie. <laughs> uh, Thomas Marr. Um, yet another one that of my treasure. favorite Coppolas. My favorite Coppolas being all of them. <laughs> Those are Italians? Yeah. Brought it back. Perfect. Okay. Okay. I mean, how many peaches do you give this? Do we have to do peaches? We have to do peaches. Can we do... Bicycles? Underwater statues. <laughs> how many statue arms do you get? How many, how many statue handshakes do you give this? Five out of ten. Wait. No. That that means you only <laughs> that that comes out that means you rated it half of its possible rating, babe. Five out of five. I give it four point five out of five. Well I give it four peaches and one peach pit. You don't want the pit though. Pit's not good. Yeah, but it's the thing you gotta take out if you're gonna uh, use it for Anyway, so uh, this is home viewing. We're part of the Pocket Podcast Network. Uh, other good podcasts include Space Mart and Cool Tank and No Dice and uh, the sports one the simultaneous cat. catch. I was yeah. trying to I was trying to feed you. That was the facts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's recorded. Uh, this podcast is recorded in the Atlanta branch of the Pocket Podcast oh Network, aka my kitchen. Um. <laughs> And uh, our theme song is by The Organ Machines. You can check out their music on theorganmachines.bandcamp.com. So, until next time, where we'll be watching... I don't know what we'll be watching. Something with the sea. Probably Catch Me If You Can. Because I think we want to put off Captain America Civil War for as long as possible, right? Oh, gosh. It's not a real movie. Yeah, it's just... A trailer. We could just throw it away. We're not. We're covering it. We I don't wanna... actually have it, guys. We Sorry, have it. That's we're a covering it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so in two weeks, which should be December. Um, oh god. 
What? We'll be covering Catch Me If You Can. Did you say it's December in two weeks? Uh, in two weeks from when this comes out, it will be. Oh. Yeah. Um, we'll be covering Catch Me If You Can. And then after that, I think we're probably yeah, going to try and at least get in some sort of Christmas episode. Like, dun, like dun, we, bum, 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 Bethany would bum, really like bum, to cover bum, Elf. I think we will bum, bum, see if we can do our best to do that. And to get it out before Christmas. So we might, you, you guys might get a couple episodes a couple weeks in a row. Just to, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but until then, I'm John. I'm Bethany. See y'all later. Bye. Never how you knew it Nobody looks sad at that way but you We all saw him drowning But you were the one with the blood on your hands Singing I never saw the Pocket Podcast Network Quality programming right to your pocket